Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. We are in the book of Daniel. Um, and my jokes, apparently nobody's laughing at, so we'll move forward. No, I'll keep trying. You guys know. I'll keep trying. I'll get there. I'll get some laughs here today. All right. So turn your Bible to Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to jump right into this. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Um, you are gracious. You are kind. Um, you gather us. Lord Jesus, I believe you've gathered everybody here for a purpose. I believe that you have a purpose and a calling for everyone here. Father, I know that you, um, you want to move us today. You want to speak to us today. Lord Jesus, I, I trust that, that you have a word that, that, that I've wrestled with, I've prayed over, that is going to do what it's called to do. Father, I ask that you would help me not to, to get in the way, to help me to, to say what I'm supposed to say. Father, I pray that the, those that are hearing this, Lord, that their ears are open, their hearts are receptive, and, and Lord, you can do in three seconds more than a, you know, a million hours of me preaching. So Holy Spirit, you do what you want to do. You lead this time. You take this time. You do ministry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all that agree say, thank you, Jesus. All right. Guys, you got to talk a little bit more today than first service. But I got first service talking, so we'll get you too. Um, if you're reading or going along with our reading plan, we are in Daniel. Um, the problem, I see myself sometimes as a bit of a, a preacher, um, definitely a talker. And if you're like my personality and you're like starting to read through Daniel, the one through six, and that's kind of what I had. It's, it's, it's literally some of the greatest teachings. Like you could have 30 sermons in there and you're like, oh, it's so good. And they, they need to hear this. Oh, they need to hear that. Oh, they need to hear this. And, and so, but really we're condensing it down. So I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? What do you want me to talk about? What do you want, what do you want to highlight to the people that are here today? So this is what I got. But I wanted to talk to you guys for a quick minute and just kind of maybe even, maybe even shepherd a little bit. If you love Jesus, you should be reading your Bible, okay? Amen? That, that, I don't think that's a hard word. That's a true word. You love Jesus, you should be reading your Bible. However, I've been leading people long enough, a lot of people come to me and say, I don't understand the Bible. What do I read? So on and so forth, right? Uh, and if nothing else, we'll just say for argument's sake, this week, you're like, where do I go in my Bible? What should I read? I would say, read Daniel 1 through 6. Read it. But listen, before you read it, take some time and sit with God and say, Lord, I mean, get real with him on this. Say, Lord, will you illuminate the scriptures that I need to see? Will you help this make sense? Will you speak to me through your word today? And then, then start to read. Guys, I promise you, this is a bold promise, but I promise you, God will speak. You will be changed. There will be stuff that you'll be like, I never saw that before. Oh, that's for me. I need to deal with that. Thank you, God. That's how this stuff works. 
okay? So in like manner, as I tell you guys how to read, I read that way. When, when I preach, I do the same thing. I say, Lord, I got, I got one through six. Speak. What do you want to say? There's so much to be said, but what do you want to say? So I spend time with him, and this is what I got. But I'd like to give you a quick overview just because I love chapter one. The, listen, chapter one, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show up in Babylon. They basically try to get reindoctrinated in the Babylon culture. Chapter two is Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Okay, basically Daniel explains it, tells it, um, and then he gets him and his, his crew promoted. Chapter three is Nebuchadnezzar's image. Nebuchadnezzar's image, where he says, hey guys, bow. And what happens? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no. They get thrown in a fiery furnace. Guess who shows up? A fourth character that looks like the son of God. It's a great story, great sermon. Chapter five, uh, it's basically time has passed. Now it's Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar. Belshazzar basically is having a party, disrespecting some of the things that came from God's temple in Jerusalem. And a hand shows up and writes on the wall. Hand writes basically judgment on the wall. Guess who shows up? Old man Daniel at this time. Daniel comes in. He says, hey, listen, judgment's coming. Belshazzar dies that night. New kings happen. Now chapter six, which I will talk about a little bit today, is Daniel in the lion's den, okay? So that's kind of where we're going. That's an overview. Um, and the two bigger topics, if you're taking notes, is attitude and consistency, the two bigger topics that I want you to pull, want you to see and want you to hear is attitude and consistency. So let's, let's, let's just read and see where we end up here. Daniel 1, 1 through 7. I'm just going to read it. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, something like that, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, pay attention to that, royal family and nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach the literature, the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank, and where to, were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. Everybody heard this story? Maybe, maybe not. But here's some things that I want you to talk about or want you to think about. And, and I want you to really think attitude. Put your mind on attitude. Okay, Daniel, we'll talk about Daniel. Here's, here's something that really happened. These guys were royalty in Jerusalem. Did you hear that? They were royalty. They were chosen. They were future leaders in their kingdom. Okay, now what's happened? What happened in that? Now they're servants or slaves in Babylon. 
That's, that's a massive contrast to where they were to where they are. Number two thing that happened to these folks. They were young men, okay? They were young men with hopes, dreams of families. Most young men in here, be it 15, 16, or so on and so forth, one day think, I want to have a family, right? These guys were turned into eunuchs, okay? Now, what's a eunuch, you might ask? And I don't want to go gross, but a eunuch is, is, a, is a fellow that gets everything taken off down there. So, <laughs> yeah, gross. But it said in Isaiah, the prophet even said with, with King Hezekiah, he said that you would have choice people taken in captivity and they'd be basically turned into eunuchs. Now, what that did for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was solidified that they would never be a dad. What that does is also kills their sex drive, so that part of the, is very low. And this wasn't uncommon in their time, but you've got to understand that. So here they were, royalty in Jerusalem. Now they're servants and slaves in Babylon. They were young men with all these aspirations to be fathers and do all this. Now they're eunuchs. And third, they were living in and around God's people in Jerusalem. They were, they were, at their, they were in their element. They were raised on God's law. They were, they were around Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob type people. They were, that was their culture. That was their world. That's how they ate and drank and, and everything. And then now, just like that, they're in Babylon. Babylon is led by an evil king named Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon, if you, 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 think, you think we have bad leaders, right? These guys had a bad leader. Nebuchadnezzar talks all the time about, whoa, you don't do this, I'm gonna rip your arms off. I don't know what his deal with ripping arms off, but he did. Nebuchadnezzar was crazy. You'll see that in those, those chapters. And, and the true story is he does end up changing. But, so now he's their king. And now, here they are, like in this, this, this foreign God country, learning about foreign gods, being taught foreign things, they're in a pagan world being led by pagans. Let me tell you something. That, that, that's a massive change of culture for a 15, they were believed to be 15 to 21. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Do you see the book of Daniel if you really listen to what happened, where they were and where they are? And you feel the weight, okay? This situation is a recipe for a bad attitude. This is a situation for a recipe that, 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 that they could just be like angry at God, couldn't they? You could understand they said, screw God, he's done, he's weak. You could see them walk in their own strength, own power, and just walk away because where's our God? Where's our temple? Nebuchadnezzar's more powerful. You could see and understand if that was the case, Okay? What I want you to think about and grab, Daniel and his friends are victims. Victims, true victims, real victims. They didn't deserve this. They didn't do anything to earn this. It happened to them, not from their own fault. Okay? Now, like Daniel and his friends, there's things in your life. If we're honest, if we take this, there are things that are maybe a little more lighthearted. You had no choice where you were born. You had no choice who you were born to. You had no choice what color you are. You had no choice what country you're born in. Am I right? And so um, I even joke, but I did young adult ministry. So sometimes you got to get people to face the facts. There are good looking people and there are not so good looking people. 
And you had no choice in that, right? Like there are people like, you, you say, man, it, what, what matters is on the inside or he or she's got a great personality, right? We, let's be honest, you had no choice in that. However, you do have a choice with how you deal with those things. You have a choice with your attitude. You have a choice with how you deal with the things that you had no say over, right? But we all have those things. So how, how's your attitude towards the things you didn't do to yourself or didn't change or you can't change? Maybe, go, maybe, maybe, maybe even go a little deeper and ask this. Some of you, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you are victims, victims of horrible things done to you. Horrible things done to you. You didn't ask for it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. But you were harmed. You were hurt. You were wronged. Okay? I mean, I've pastored for long enough to know that there's sexual molestation like crazy. That one's very common. Little kids getting wronged by older people or cousins or family or friends. That's victimization. It's horrible. Heavy things happen, guys. Bad things happen in this world. Let me ask you, how are you dealing with that? Are you dealing with that? Have you dealt with that? Okay? And, and, and I want to I bring us to a little place here that I believe can help if you'll just soften up because when we start talking about victims, when we start talking about real hurts that happen to you, you have a tendency to pull back. Most people, oh, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to make you raise hands. I'm not going to do anything like that. But I do want you to get real with God in, in, on the inside. And I want you to hear this. This hopefully will help you. Um, especially for Christians. I, 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 if you've been victimized and hurt and you don't love Jesus, I'm going to talk about that. Give it to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. It doesn't make everything go away perfectly, but he is legit and he cares. And if, if for no other reason to follow Jesus, it's a beautiful process how he can take these hurts, these broken things and these, these things that, that, that we're victimized in and he can do wonders with them. He's Jesus. He's the healer. But I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. Humble yourselves. It's part of everything when it comes to healing, guys. Humbleness, honesty. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties or the internal worries, fears. Anybody got some? This week, anybody felt some anxiety, worry, frustration? Something that's on the inside you don't want people to know about? Something you're dealing with? And he says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? This is the big idea. Because he cares for you. Who's he? Jesus. Say it again. All right. Thank you, guys. He is Jesus. Sometimes you get this idea that you got stuff going on in you and he doesn't care. The devil is a liar. John 10.10 10 says he came to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants you to live in that anxiety, that fear, that worry, that bind, that, that, that bound up way. And God wants you to live in freedom. God wants you Christian and non-Christian to come and follow him. But God wants you to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Now, let me tell you something. You serve Jesus for a while. You actually play this card a lot. 
And there's nothing wrong with, I play this card a lot. Cast my cares, I'm feeling weighted. Cast my cares, I'm stressed out. Cast my cares, my marriage. Cast my cares, my finances. Cast my cares. It's not a one and done. It's do it again and again and again. Why? Not because I'm, I'm well, I'm, I am a broken mess, but, but God is gracious, but because he cares for me. That's what you gotta get. When you realize he cares for you, he cares about everything that goes on in you, around you, and through you, you cast stuff on him. You get rid of it. You stop carrying it. Isn't that good? All right, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse four. This is so good. This is so good. Because you need to receive this. If you don't know Jesus, receive Jesus so you get this. Isaiah 53, four. Surely he has borne our griefs. Who? Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. He carried our sorrows. Have you let him carry your grief and carry your sorrow? He wants to. He wants to. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, for your sins, for my sins, for our offenses. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So listen, life may be hard. Stuff you may be going through is real, but there is a promise here that you see in this that he brings peace. One of the ways to know if you're walking with Christ and if you have searched your heart and let go of the things is to ask yourself, do I have the peace? Do I walk in the peace? Do I have the peace that passes all understanding? God's people have peace. And you, if you don't have peace, if you don't have peace, you need to seek his face until you do. You need to get in the scriptures and fight the fight and deal with some stuff until you do because Christians, I'm talking to you, you're promised peace. You're not promised an easy life. In the world, you'll have trial and tribulation, be of good cheer, have overcome the world, is what Christ says. But you are promised peace. You're promised peace. And some of you, even when I see it on your face, I'll be honest with you, you don't believe that. You've bought a lie from the devil that you don't deserve peace. You think that's what God wants for you, to live in torment, to live in brokenness. He does not. He does not. I feel like I'm yelling at you. Maybe I am. You're like, you are, Jeremiah. So let's, let's take a moment and let's just trust the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he's the counselor. He's so good to us. He's works in your, our hearts. I, I yell at you. He stirs you. So I'm going to ask you, close your eyes. I want you to say with Jesus. You, you, if, you, if you don't know Jesus, I would ask you to say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I need to, I need to know you or whatever. You just ask him whatever's on your heart and we'll ask him to, to meet you. If you're a believer, I want you to bring up the anxiety that's been bothering you this week. If you're a believer that's actually got something that's so you're a victim. You've been victimized and it won't leave you. You can't get rid of it. You can't shake it. It, it has formed you. It has is, it is become an identity thing. Bring that up to mind. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask Jesus to help you. That's simple. Lord, oh, dear Father. Oh, God, have mercy. You are so good and so kind. Oh, I can feel you hate when your people suffer and when they've been believing lies. 
So right now, by the, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, will you just deliver people? Lord, those that are victims, those that have been victimized, maybe even they have victimized somebody and they're feeling guilt and shame. Lord, there's, there's grace for that. There's mercy for that. Bring that to that person. Bring healing to the, to the one that's been holding on to this brokenness, unforgiveness. Yes, Lord. Bring grace to that, Lord. The ones that are constantly fearful or bound by anxiety or worry, Lord Jesus, and it's not yours. It's not for them to carry. Will you whisper to them, give it to me? Jesus, will you just through, your, through the Holy Spirit, will you take these burdens? Just thank you, God, that you're gracious to us. This freedom, we just speak freedom. We receive freedom today. Freedom from fear. Freedom from sexual immorality and brokenness. Freedom, Lord, freedom. Yes, Lord, freedom from the, those that think their marriages are over. Freedom, Lord Jesus, that there will be new hope. New hope, new guidance. You're gracious, Lord, in these areas. Whatever you want to say, say it. Whatever you want to do, do it, Jesus. We're not playing games here. Set our people free. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. You're like, now we can go home. No, not a chance. I got to yell some more. All right, go back to Daniel 1 if you closed your Bible. You got to see this. Now that we took it to the Lord in prayer and did some, some of that stuff, which is, by, which is paramount when it comes to the things of God, I want to show you a little bit of how Daniel dealt with his attitude. I think it's powerful. It spoke to me, and I think it'll speak to you. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 1 there and go back up to 5. We'll read 5 through 8. Then the king signed them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that the, he drank. They were to be educated for three years. At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Listen, this is the, as they say, the biggest butt in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. Check this out. But Daniel. There's so much in that. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And you got to hear this. In the NIT, it says, but Daniel was determined. ASV says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. The Amplify said, but Daniel made up his mind. What you see here, friends, is the attitude of Daniel. He, and, and this is the truth. Here I am. I found myself in Babylon. They've changed my education. They've changed my name. They've changed who I am, what I'm from. They've taken my manhood. And I'm telling you, they're trying to take my relationship with my God. But Daniel, you see what I'm talking about in here? They are trying to squash the Hebrew out of him. They're trying to take the I am of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob out of him. They're trying to indoctrinate him. They're trying to give him a new identity. You are no longer that. You are this. But Daniel. But Daniel. 
He said, no, 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 no. You can do all that to me, but I will draw the line. I am still God's. My temple has fallen. My country is beaten down. My, my city is conquered, but I'm still Hebrew. I'm still connected to the great I am. And some of you need to hear that, stir yourself up and get a little bit of inward on side and say, okay, okay, the things that I'm going through, they're trying to take my identity, but I'm gonna draw the line. But put your name there, but Jeremiah. Listen to this, Daniel's victimization and indoctrination was an attempt to steal his identity and destroy his future in faith in God. You got to hear me on this. Daniel's victimization and indoctrination was an attempt to steal his identity and destroy his future in faith in God. Satan, John 10.10, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came and came to give life and life more abundantly. Do you see the war? Where's your but? What is Satan trying to get you to believe? This is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. And the Holy Spirit and God and the Word of God is wanting to challenge you to say, no, I'm not that. I'm this in Christ. Anybody with me here? Amen. Thanks, babe. She's with me. Now check this out, guys. Daniel 1, flip down or look down to verse 9. 8 starts out with a but Daniel. 9 says, and this is good, and God. Woo, come on, Jesus. And 9 says, and God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Some of you, if I'm honest, God's waiting for you to draw the line. And as soon as you draw the line and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to entertain that. That's not who I am. Then you're going to see the but God or and God, I should say. Amen. Is that resonating? Because here's the thing. God didn't show up until Daniel drew the line. When Daniel got back on himself and he said, this is who I am. Look who showed up in verse nine. God will show up. His temple is down. His, his Jerusalem is broken to pieces. They're in 70 years captivity, but God is still around. And look at that. I just love that. And it says, and God gave Daniel. Who? God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigned you food and drink. For why should he see that we, we were worse conditioned than the youths that are our own age? So you would endanger my head for the king. Then Daniel, I love this, because God, God also gave him wisdom. Then Daniel said to the, to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servant for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. <laughs> I was thinking of you when I, when I read this. I thought he's going to be like, yeah, those vegetables. We, we, we're going to put that over our, our, our kitchen. We need more vegetables. Anyways, then let our appearance and the appearance of our youth who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance, fatter in flesh than all the youths that ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine that they were to drink, gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, look at this again, 17, God gave them, God gave them learning and skill. 
And then go down to 20. It says that they, when, they became, when they got in front of the king, they were 10 times better than all the other people that went through the same program. When you decide to do it God's way, it will be better. Your sexuality God's way will be better. Your marriage God's way will be better. Your finances God's way will be better. I promise you this, I'm living this. When I start to think I know what I'm doing and I put my little whatever and it goes against this, I will find out it won't be better. So what, what's in your life? What are you doing that, that's your way or God's way? It'll be better. It will. Easy? No. And say that. Don't hear easy. Better? Yes. Amen? Amen. All right, so the next thing I want you to realize is this the story of those of you who know the Bible did after they did all that and the, the God shows up and they're healthy and they're all eating veggies like crazy and everything's good. Was their life easy? It wasn't. You can say no. It wasn't easy. Because here's the crazy part. They were still Hebrew guys in a Babylonian empire. They were still dealing with persecution. They were still dealing with false gods. They were still dealing with false thinking, right? Just because they had some victory doesn't mean they had no persecution or suffering. It's part of it. Suffering is part of it, guys. Living for God costs. There's this, um, this little story that I believe the Lord wanted me to talk about there's this girl that uh, Heather and I, we started reading Voice of the Martyrs. Um, sometimes the best way to get your attitude, my attitude straightened up is look at what other Christians all over the world are going through. Look what they're going through. Look what they're dealing with. It helps. And number one, I need to pray for them because the Bible, we're all together, right? It's not like we have this, you know, well, the American Christians are, no. There's Christian. There's God's people. We're one. We should be. Anyways, this little girl um, na named Sanjana, she, around 13 years old, Sanjana starts to um, hear about Jesus. She's a little Muslim girl in, in Cairo area or Egypt. So she goes to this school that has Christians and non-Christians or Muslims. And she noticed the Christians would get beat. Just a normal thing she noticed. And it always spoke to her. So eventually she starts inquiring about the Lord and Jesus and, the, and these things. And she says, she says, starts talking to her teacher. Teachers in fear of her family uh, basically points it to a neighbor. So Jana starts talking to the neighbor. The neighbor spends two years talking to her. And in two years, the, the, finally, St. Jana decides to follow Jesus Christ. She goes home and her Muslim dad see, notices that she doesn't pray five times a day anymore. So St. Jana starts to tell him that she loves Jesus. And he gets very angry and he locks her in a shed for roughly two to three years and they beat her. Her brothers beat her. They broke her arms. She had a little cross tattoo on her forearm and uh, they, they put acid on it to get rid of it. But she kept following Jesus. Crazy as it sounds, her younger sister ended up seeing her go through all this suffering, all this brokenness, and wants Jesus. That's crazy, isn't it? He's real, right? When you see this kind of stuff, you're like, I wouldn't want that. I don't want to be beat. So she says, I want to follow Jesus like my older sister. 
She breaks her out of this, 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 this barn or this building and they end up on the street. And then she gets chased back down by her family. Sanjana gets put with a Muslim guy married, right? Married off. This guy, his job is to indoctrinate her into uh, back to being a Muslim. And she refuses to. She drew her line. Oh, I love it. She drew her line. She said, you can beat me. You can push on me. You can attack me. You can tear me down. But I am Jesus's. And that guy eventually divorced her because he was so embarrassed of her loving Jesus. She got put back out on the street and eventually meets up with a ministry that, that, that's over there in Egypt to help Muslim, ex-Muslims follow Jesus. Because it's a thing. There's a lot, of, a lot of violence and a lot of hatefulness and a lot of hurt over there in, in, in all of our different countries. So first off, maybe your problems, right? Let's just be honest. Maybe your problems aren't as big as you thought. They're still problems and God still cares. Make no mistake about it. But, but listen, she drew her line and then she ended up, she got water baptized and I love this, sweet story. She got water baptized and she said when the pastor held her under the water, she could hear Jesus' voice tell her, you're my child. And she wanted to stay under the water because she heard Jesus. So what would possess a person to do that, to walk through that? What would, what? It's Jesus. Is she rich and famous and touring the world preaching now? No. She has some crummy part-time job and she's struggling, but she loves Jesus. She's a Daniel-like person. How are you doing with loving Jesus? Suffering's a real part. And some of us don't want to hear it and we don't want to deal with it, but, but it has to be said. Romans 5, Romans 5, check this out. Sometimes the Bible just hurts. It just does. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the peace I talked about. We have peace here and we have peace with God. Jesus took that for us. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Mm, faith and grace. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Christians, you gotta be okay with that. It's gonna be suffering. You got to, you got to understand that there's, there's a purpose to these things sometimes. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived a suffering life. But I find it very cool uh, to see how God turns it around. So flip your Bible and I'll close down with this. Daniel chapter 6. Suffering is part, guys. But they lived a whole life. Now, it's funny how you can see a whole man's life tied up in six chapters. Started out, he was roughly 15, 16, as I said. By the time you get to chapter six, it's, it's guesstimated that he was around 82 years old. Okay? So, so yeah, Daniel had some gifts with interpreting dreams. Eventually, he has prophetic dreams. 
and, uh, and God gave him all these wonderful things. But Daniel, there, there's something to the life well lived that I think needs to be spoke about. And so I wanted to honor that and, 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 and read into this. So let's just talk about Daniel 1 or Daniel 6, 1. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps. Look at this. Because an excellent spirit was in him. Daniel had an excellent spirit. There's a lot of different interpretations for that. But really, Daniel was good at his job at leading people. Now, I want you to hear something, and I think this will preach. Daniel was not for Babylon's gods. You hear me? Daniel may not have voted for the king that was in charge. But Daniel, this is, the Christians need to hear this, but Daniel honored leadership enough that he had an excellent spirit. Wherever he found him, he wanted to do better. He wanted to make it better. And we, and I see this all the time, I have people in my life that, and you know we're supposed to be praying for our presence, and I'm not trying to get political, but I am trying to get biblical. I get beat up all the time. Well, he's not my president. I heard it back with Trump, and I hear it now with Biden. The Bible tells me to pray for him. I'm a Bible guy. I'm a kingdom guy. It's quiet, right? But when are we going to say these types of things and live these types of things? See, what has happened is, is, is the devil's gotten us all frustrated talking about this. And I know friends of mine, and I, I didn't really plan on going here, but I'm going to go here. God have mercy. I know friends of mine that are spending more time listening to CNN or Fox than the Word of God. They could quote more about these shows than the Word of God. There is nothing wrong with you, who you get your news from. I don't think, I think, enjoy it, have fun, and debate, do your thing. I'm not, not, not worried about that. But Jesus Christ and the word of God has to be number one. Somebody has to tell you, if you're not getting in this, if you're not listening to this, then you're subject to being deceived. Everyone, Republican, Democrat, you're being, you can be deceived if you're not in the word. God is God. He's a king, it's a, he's a king, first off. My goodness, guys. And we need to be loving and kind and gentle. And you see that with Daniel everywhere. Even with the food thing. Hey, try this, test this. This, this, this pride, this I got my ways and I'm not gonna change. It doesn't fly in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't change people. Daniel became a powerful man in Babylon because he believed in all that Babylon was doing. No, Babylon was wicked. I think we all could agree. I think every scholar could see it. But Daniel was a leader in Babylon. But his heart was with Jerusalem. So sometimes your boss is a wicked man. Your company you work for are wicked people. But do you have an excellent spirit there? Do you do your job well? Or do you say, oh, he's so greedy, he's bad. I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna call it in and do a half-hearted job. Amen? If you want to change the people around you, you got to have the right heart. You got to have an excellent spirit. That's how it works. 
I have had wicked bosses, okay? And God has challenged me in this. And I said, man, I'm gonna serve them. I'm gonna love them. I'm gonna pray for them. I literally had a conversation this week that challenged me. I have many bosses because I own my own business and I work for a lot of other businesses. Anybody relate? And I got a guy that, I'll be honest with you, we've had this little bit of passive aggressive situation. And he wanted me to do this and I keep telling him we can't do that, do this, and I get mad. Okay, I was laying down, laying down roughly Tuesday night, I think it was, and I was like, I'm just gonna lay down. This guy texts me, said, hey, I need this, blah, blah, blah. And that was supposed to be done yesterday. And he was mad. And it was just this little text. Anybody relate? My blood pressure just went, I wanted to give him a piece of my mind. I thought, oh, you know what? Bop, 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 right? I probably even typed in a few things, if I'm honest with you guys, and then kind of deleted it off. Anybody ever done that? So, <laughs> hey, I'm human, right? I'm working, I'm being sanctified. Anyways, it was so bad, but I've been really praying for this man. In fact, our testimony was this. Like, I have told this guy before, you're gonna love Jesus, like 10 years ago. And he's going through stuff. And honestly, I didn't wanna love him like Jesus. I wanted to text him some real thoughts. And I stopped and I prayed. This is, this is be slow to anger, right? Slow to speak and quick to listen. If you are a hothead, that is your scripture, amen? Another one, if you're a hot, I got a lot of angry friends. Uh, and I'm, I'm, the anger of man cannot produce the righteousness of God, okay? You need to hear that. I understand. I wrestle with these things, right? The, it's the reason I memorize these is because I'm like, oh, if I'm really angry, then I can't produce the righteousness of God if I operate in this anger, amen? Okay, so I take a moment and I say, Lord, I really am frustrated here and I'm mad at this guy and he's really wearing me out, but I'm gonna give this to you, I'm gonna pray. And then I did, an email, did a text that was excellent spirit, I think. And it worked. The Bible also says a soft answer turns away wrath. But it's like, it worked. Who knew? So this is a challenge for you guys. There's an excellent spirit that is needed in you, at your job, at your college. My daughter, she's dealing with all sorts of stuff at, at her college that she's like frustrated about and hearing, but she's, she's, and I texted her this prayer, and where's Faithy at? Faith, where you, there you are. She's probably like, I said, you probably don't want to hear this. She texts me, you know, this, 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 this is what was said, this is what it's going with, and she's in a secular college, right? And they're saying all sorts of secular things. And so I'm like, hey, pray. And then I'm like, I bet she hates this, you know, preach your dad, right? But it's real. So I'm working on her, trying to help her to have an excellent spirit because that excellent spirit can, can actually get you into places of, of power where you can make a difference. But if you're a fumbly, grumbly, angry guy and I'm never gonna do it and I don't like it and I don't wanna participate, it's not an excellent spirit. Pretty good chance you won't ever be running the, the, the company or leading people. But, but, but we learned something from Daniel. He spent a lifetime doing a good job for people that he probably didn't like. Amen. So everybody now, I hope you're all pep-talked. You're like, oh, man, yeah, I got to go back to work. It'd be nice, you know. <laughs> all right, move on. I'm about done. And an excellent spirit was found in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for the complaint or any fault. Oh, if somebody gets digging in your finances 
If somebody got digging in your walk, if somebody got digging in your search history, if somebody got digging in your Netflix, if somebody got digging in your relationships, in the closed door things, what would they find? Let's just be honest. What would they find? I don't know. You know, emails. But look, these guys get digging because he had an excellent spirit and he planned to set him over the whole kingdom for the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. He was faithful. God have mercy, help us be faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground of complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. That's another thing. Daniel lived so godly that the men around him knew he was godly. It wasn't a secret. You see that? Amen. It wasn't a secret. He wasn't bashful. He wasn't shy. I don't think he was a jerk about it either. But he lived an excellent spirit life. He lived as a witness for his God. He knew who he was. And he knew it at 15 with the draw line. And he knew it at 80. That's Daniel. He was faithful. No error was found in him. All right, skip down to verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, the document, these guys that were jealous of Daniel and his power created this document because they knew they couldn't get Daniel caught up in any other problem. So they made it so if you, if you, you got you to worship God, you can't worship any other gods, right? And I, and I see this and they're like, when you, you, know, you got to stay this and they knew Daniel wouldn't do that. But check this out. So Daniel knew that if he worshiped the God or, or the king, that he would be disrespecting his God. He drew his line, and it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, that means Daniel knew what he was about to do was going to kill him, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, and I love the boldness. He didn't shut the windows. He opened the windows as he always has, upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees there three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God and he, that he had done previously. Previously, before him, he's done, honestly, his whole life, guys. And you guys know the story, but there's, an, there's something to be said for this guy knowing this is going to kill me, but I'm going to do it because this works. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It's too late for you. You love Jesus. There's no backing down. You're convinced. If, if the whole country says we're not allowed to say Jesus anymore, we're, still, we're going to say it twice as loud, right? Let's just be honest. We're going to stand up for Jesus. We're not, it's, it's too late for me. I drank the Kool-Aid, right? Others oh man, I just kind of want to be a, a secretive Christian. I kind of want to have my faith. It's to myself. I'm not. And you need to say, Lord, I need, I need help. Help me be bold. Help me to stand up. Help me to speak up. Help me to do a good job so other people ask, why do you do something? You're 10 times greater. God wants to, do, to use you guys like this. You gotta believe that. God wants to do wonderful things in and around and through you. You gotta believe that. Let him do it. Be bold, be that person. All right, band, come. Gosh, guys, you've been kind of quiet. I hope I haven't beat you up too much today, but I love you. God loves you. It's amazing what we can do if we receive the word of God and walk in it. 
And I'm going to pray, and, and then we're going to be some prayer people up here. If you need prayer for anything, some of you, just over what I said, maybe you need prayer for boldness. Maybe you need to confess that you've been a jerk. Maybe you need to deal with something that when we, on the earlier part, that you, you've been victimized, and you need to talk about it, and you need to get prayer, and that's what we're for. That's what we're here for. We'll be glad to pray with you guys. So we're going to close down with that. I'm just going to pray. We're going to have prayer team up here. Um, and I'm just going to pass the baton to David. So Lord, I thank you for your mercy. You're kind to us. You're gentle to us. I thank you, Lord, that something I said sunk into somebody's heart, Lord. We live in crazy times, too. Help us to be, be like you. Really, if we have nothing else we can ask, and, and Lord, help us to be like you. Talk like you. Walk like you. Love like you. Forgive like you. Pray like you. Listen to the Father like you. Help us, Jesus. We're weak. Lord, move into the hearts of the people this week. Every situation, Lord Jesus, I just pray it can look a little smaller. A little, that you make it, put it into the right, right perspective. Bless my brothers and sisters today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.